What is up? What is up, everybody? Once again, you guys are on the Cash Geeks Network every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We go live both in the Cash Geeks Network Facebook group and on YouTube.com forward slash Cash Geeks. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We have this very special guest host, Gary. What's up, guys? Surprise. And I'm Dom, and you're on the Cash Geeks Network. Um, we're going to bring the fire to you guys today. We have Sorry. a very special guest. In addition to Gary guest hosting, we've got a very special guest that's in the building. Um, you guys may know him as the wholesaling expert. You might Ooh. know him as the sales expert. Um, he provides sales training. He's done $100 million in sales. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Ladies oh, yeah. and gentlemen, we're bringing to you Eric Klein. What up? Hey. Eric, what's up, man? How are you today? I'm doing fabulous, man. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's our pleasure. Thanks thank for you being so here. much for doing this, dude. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, what is it with the, uh, with, the, with the baseball bat? We're getting nervous over here. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone asked, uh, I have like three or four of these around my office. It's just something that I've always had in my hands. Like when I pitch, I'm always standing up and uh -huh. the baseball bat is just something that's, it's just my go-to man. So what do you, what do you mean when you pitch or like, do you, when you speak on stage, is that something that you hold in your hand? It's funny you ask that because I just started getting on stages and uh, everyone's asking me, they're like, dude, are you going to bring your bats or what? Dude, you totally have to. Do have to. Yeah, yeah. This one was actually a gift from somebody that uh, was in one of my sales training classes. I started off the first day with a bat and I got this beautiful gift in the mail. So it says create your own luck or make your own luck. Oh, that's great. Right, right, right. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, so Eric, for uh, those that um, maybe don't know a whole lot about you or that want to learn more about you, can you just give us a little bit of background of, of who you are and, and where you stand right now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, without dragging the story on too long, like the snapshot of it is I'm 41 years old. I reside in Raleigh, North Carolina uh, with my wife. Uh, I have two kids and um, born and raised right outside of Chicago, Illinois at oh. the age uh, from 13 to 28 years old. I was heavily, heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, yeah. At, okay. wow. yeah. At 28, uh, the drug that brought me to my knees was crack cocaine. And um, I was staring down the barrel of a death sentence and uh, at, at 28, I decided it was either death or uh, a new way of life. And I, I chose not to die that day, August 9th of 2012. I just celebrated uh, 13 years clean and sober, um, which, you know, is, is an absolute blessing in my life. Um, got into sales at 28. I was... Um, I was very insecure. I was, uh, didn't know like where my life was going. And a guy in South Florida gave me a, my very first job on the phones, uh -huh. which was perfect for me. Cause me being at that time, 
so insecure with who I was and my lack of confidence, I just got really, really good at selling over a telephone because right. I could be whoever I wanted to be. Mm, okay. And I, I didn't have the worry of someone looking at all my tattoos and prejudging me. Like yeah. I got to be a wordsmith. And uh, right. for, for the last 13 years, I've generated all of my income over a telephone with a headset and uh, leads. Uh, my very first business I started uh, was in the timeshare exit industry. I would break timeshare contracts. I, I, I built a business where we were the largest timeshare exit company in the United States of America. Yeah. And in nine years, we took that business from zero to over 34 million a year in gross sales. Nice. Uh, awesome. I had 150 team members all under one roof. None of it was virtual. It was all in-house. And uh, I, I went to sell 51% of that business for $54 million. And unfortunately, 60 days before the sale were to go due, uh, I got hit with some massive lawsuits by two of the biggest developers in the world. Why are they so mean? Because I was really, really good at breaking their contracts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, really quick. So, so, so this first job at 28 years old was back in 2012, did you say? Yeah, uh, it was right at the end of 09 in the beginning of 2010. Got it. Got it. Got it. And uh, you were it sounds like you were really introverted and really insecure. Big in time. Very okay. big social anxiety, panic attacks, everything. Right. Because it wouldn't appear that way today. Not today, man. I've, I've, I've come a long way. Okay. Do you think, um, you know, sometimes I think of like, because uh, it's either like when comedians go on stage or, um, you know, really strong actors have different versions of themselves. Yeah. Do you feel like you found like a different version of yourself um, or, do you think your old self was the wrong version and now you figured out who you really are? Um, yeah, I'm finding my way, man. At Like I said, I, I started masking my feelings at such a young age. Mm -hmm. I mean, 13 years old is young. I have a 10-year-old son. And uh, to, to start masking who you are at 13 to 28, mm -hmm. when, when I sobered up for the first time, and like, I had to look at myself in the mirror. I truly did not know who I was at 28 years old. I didn't, uh, right. like my identity was lost and I've had to, I don't want to say rebuild myself, but just find out who I am. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's pretty tough, man. I mean, um, from what I've seen over the years, you know, my wife and I born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, um, we're raised in some tough neighborhoods. Yeah. And, you know, I, I seen firsthand what drugs can do to an individual. It can totally change that person right. into a, in, into an entirely different person. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, can hear good. You. I can't hear myself. So yeah, into an entirely different person. So I can see you fighting your way out of that. And really, you don't you don't have an identity now. Like you called it quits. And now you got to figure yourself out because yeah. you've never had a a self that had any identity at all. Some of the strongest people I see have a why like yours that, that did just come from such 
trauma and that their will to succeed is now 10x because they, you know, they they know where they're not going back to, right? Their why is so strong. Those are yeah. some of the best, strongest entrepreneurs and business people in the, in the entire world, right? So that's tremendous that you can overcome that. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, I and it's a healthy fear that I always carry with me. I never, one, I never want my kids to see that. Um, I'm very open with my kids about my past. They know where dad comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I have a healthy fear of, I never want to be at, at the depths of hell like that, the, the way I was or as broke as I was. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you got into sales and it seems like you do extremely well at it. I mean, you built the business out of it. Um, did you say it was timeshare that you've done for a really long time? You had the, the, um, the option to sell it for a really large number. You yeah. got into a squabble with that, but it yep. seems like you really found your neck. It's, it's something I love, man. I, I, I explain it as, but it's so much healthier it's like the high I always wanted to chase, man. I love everything about sales. Um, when I get into the clothes, I still get those butterflies and the nervous feelings. And it's for me, it's an absolute rush. Mm -hmm. Now, how does somebody do that? Because I'm, an, I'm naturally an introvert. And I think I'm pretty good at sales. I'm pretty decent at sales. But most people are extremely fearful of sales. They don't want to sell. They don't want to talk on the phone. Nonetheless, get on the stage or go up to a random group and start talking to them. They just want nothing to do with it. So how does someone completely turn themselves around to be comfortable with doing that? Because it seems like you were almost just like all those people that I was just explaining. Yeah. Oh, I, I was that and more, 100%. Uh, so I, I believe... You're like, I hear uh, a lot of people say, man, I was born a natural salesman or a sa saleswoman. And it's like, okay, all right, I get it. You may be able to talk to somebody or whatever, have a, a natural conversation. But when it comes to actually closing down deals consistently, um, I believe that's something that is, is very easily taught to somebody. How, and, and phone fear is a real thing. Like phone fear is real. It's real, it's alive, and it, it stops so many people from being successful where they're so fearful of rejection or they don't know uh, what to say or how to say it. So for me in the beginning, I was blessed enough to be like the very first company that hired me. I was in a company of 200 salespeople. Wow. Uh, and, and I started off as a fronter, uh, just cold calling people. But it's the repetition, man. It's the reps. You have to put in the reps. Uh, you throw me on a football field, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel super uncomfortable. You throw me on a basketball court, super uncomfortable. But if I stay on that court long enough, I'm going to get, as, as the dribbles go on or I take the shots, I'm going to get more and more comfortable. Same thing with sales. The longer you stick with it, the better you're going to be. It, and like, it's as simple as that. You got to put the reps in. Just like the gym, right? Just like working out. You, you have to. You just yeah. got to start, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so what what happened next? You, you went to sell the timeshare business. You got into some lawsuits. I'm sure that got settled at some point in some way. 
And then there's the next part. What happened after that? So when my business did not, when the sale of the business didn't go the way I thought it was going to, mm -hmm. uh, it was a, it was a shot to my ego. It really was that mm -hmm. I was that business. Everybody knew me in South Florida because of my business. Um, like I caught the attention of guys like Grant, Grant Cardone would have me speak on his stages. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when my business was no more like the phone stopped ringing. So for a year and a half, I went through a bit of a depression. Like I didn't know where, like what my lane was. I was like, holy shit, that just came to a screeching halt. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't get the money I thought I was going to get. Where does Eric go now? Mm -hmm. um, so for a year and a half, I was like trying to find my way in my lane. I tried a couple different businesses that didn't have my heart. Um, and this model, the wholesaling model was brought to me about two and a half years ago. And I heard about it. I didn't do much research. My buddies kept coming to me. They're like, Eric, this is something you would absolutely excel in. It's just like your last business. It's lead generation, phone sales and fulfillment. Hmm. They're like, dude, you should really, really give this a shot. So, um, I was operating a business, had a staff of about six in another industry. And I, I absolutely hated going to the office. And I told my wife one night, I was like, I'm miserable. I'm the only one that hates being in that office. Like I, this is not fair to me or the people that are working for us. Right. And I went in the next day and I, I told all six people that were there. I said, listen, this business, we're shutting it down. Sorry. I'm not happy. I wish you all the best of luck. That day is the day I decided to come into wholesaling full time. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that was like 16, 16, 17 months ago. Wow. Okay. Recent. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you just cold shut it down. Didn't sell it to anyone. Didn't give it to anyone. Just doors are closed. Doors are closed. Literally. Okay. Hey man, yeah. happiness, happiness is, uh, is more important than anything, right? Hundred percent. I, I think as we get older, because I'm 43. Did you say you were 41? 41. Yeah. yeah, I think as we get older, we realize how way more important happiness is above all other things. Especially you know? time. Time, we realize how precious time is and 100%. what you do on a daily basis, right? What you invest your time in. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and by the way, Eric, this is my buddy Gary. Hey, He's how a good you doing, friend man? of mine. He's one of my buyers. We wholesale to him. He's a flipper. He's a real estate expert, and he's my real estate broker. So right on, Gary, Eric, Gary, Eric, Gary. Yeah. I got to ask. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to. It. I got to ask about the bat, though. So we we'll get a. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'm curious. So wholesale business has started. How, yeah. how did the beginning of that go? Um, it, it, amazing. Like this whole 16 months has been absolutely amazing. I have a fire back in me I have not had in years, hmm. which is phenomenal um i for the last 16 months i have yet to get up and have to go to work meaning i love what i am doing so we we've been in uh started off with just me uh i was pretty reckless in the beginning on because i didn't know what kpis to look out for or anything like that so right right off the bat day one i hired like 10 to 12 vas just to cold call for me 
So I had all these leads just coming in like crazy. Didn't sure. know what to, uh, I took my sales pitch from my timeshare exit business and brought it or my process and brought it to this industry mm -hmm. uh, or this business model. And uh, in the beginning, it I don't know, it took me a few days to maybe get a deal locked up. But I was uh, take, taking the advice of a couple buddies that are in the industry. They mm -hmm. put me into a few markets that were just completely horrible. Like I was in Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Uh, I don't know why they were like having me test the market out for them or something. Locked up 13 deals in Toledo. They could not get rid of one of them for me. So I was, I was outsourcing my dispo just so I could focus on the sale of the, the model. Yep. But um, we, after three months, it took me three months to generate by myself $100,000 in assignment fees in one month. So it uh, took me three months to build up to that. Um, today, to date, uh, I'm looking at my CRM right now. We've uh, closed in a, we've closed on 137 uh, contracts for three point, oh, just shy of 3.2 million. Hell yeah. Awesome. That's freaking yeah. amazing, dude. Hats yeah. off to that. Well, Hats that's 16 months, that. right? So that's progression from 16 months. Yeah, 16 months. And cool. I didn't know what the hell wholesaling was 16 months ago. That's now, awesome. now that is that your career or is that year to date? That is, uh, it's year to date. Year to date. Yep. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, can you talk a little bit about how, how the team looks and the structure or flow of business? Yeah. So I have an office here in Raleigh, just right outside of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in a 2000 square foot office, getting ready to move into a 6,000 square foot here in roughly 90 days. I have three in-house acquisitions, uh, two in-house dispositions, one transaction coordinator, 15 uh, virtual cold callers, and then four uh, virtual lead managers. And then it's myself, my wife, which oversees all operations and transactions. Mm -hmm. And then my other partner, Tony, which oversees dispositions and any like uh, properties will buy and flip for or hold for Airbnb or like a rehab or anything. Sure, sure, sure. Now, so many people have such a hard time getting sales off the ground or getting their wholesale business off the ground. I mean, you've heard stories where people have taken six, nine, 13 months to get their first deal. Crazy. Um, a lot of people, like, I think, you know, being as advanced as you are, you know, you'll, you see now what a lot of them are missing, especially in the beginning. What do, what do you think is one of the most key aspects of getting it, your first deal or getting a deal locked up in general? Um, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Sure. When I first came into this industry, the information that's being given out there to the newcomer mm -hmm. is horrible. It's mm -hmm. absolutely horrible. What I mean by that is early on, I was popping into a lot of lives and these sales trainings. And I believe the wrong message is given to the newcomer about the value of a lead. Mm. Like, they, they get on the phone with somebody 
and they're trying to disqualify the re lead rather than qualify it. It's like right. this industry has completely annihilated these sellers. Like we, we have pissed all of the, the homeowners across the United States off. Right. And for them to still be answering the phone and answering the same three questions, what's the age of your roof? What's the age of your AC and how much money do you want? <laughs> like they've answered this a hundred times and they're still- well, This is also out of the blue. Yeah, out of the blue. <laughs> so what, like what I saw right off the bat is, man, the value in these leads, if it's, if I can put this seller through an experience they've never been through before and have an actual structured conversation, set expectations in the beginning, let them know by the end of this phone call, you will absolutely either have an approval with an offer or a denial with a reason. So I qualify every property. And, and the reason I do that, it's just, I do a takeaway like the whole time of, hey, we're going to qualify your property by the end of this phone call. I might tell you we can't buy it. The reason is because they've never heard that before. Like I want them to have a different experience with me. So I think sales, one, value your lead. If they answer the phone and say hello, be grateful that seller answered the phone and said hello to you. Amazing. Amazing. So it sounds like sales is a really, really important part of the business. Like one of the things that we've noticed is some of the same questions come up over and over and it feels like people are focusing on the wrong thing. Like what is the best list to get your leads from? What is the best skip tracing company? Um, can I see your org chart? Can I see a diagram of your flow of business? And wh why is no one asking about sales and sales strategies? It's not sexy right away, right? It's the lot like, right. Like, if you're wholesaling, your lead generation and sales and nothing more than that. Right. Right. It, uh, I get asked the question all the time. What list do you pull? It does not matter what list you pull. It's what you do with the list when you have it. Exactly. Agreed. Great point. When we have our sales meetings in the morning, um, I tell my guys, I'm like, it's not about the list we pull. It's not about the skip tracing. Of course, you want a good data. You want a good skip tracing company. You want to get the right leads in. You want to target the right individuals or whatever the case may be. But it's really about like everyone's trying to convert this art into a science, but art is a real thing. Being a great sales individual is a real thing. Learning the objections, learning the rebuttals, pulling from that arsenal of what is the right thing to say at the right time. You need to practice that daily. It's super, super fucking important, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, in when we train for our sales, right? There's kind of like three categories, right? You have people that are clear yeses, yep. then you have people that are clear noes, right? Those are very, very small circles. The big old circle in the middle are sellers in disguise, right? It's very ambiguous, and that's when it takes a great salesperson to figure them out, befriend them, and convert them, right? And uh, if you're going to just go for the clear yeses and the clear noes, I can develop an algorithm checklist that lets sellers close themselves. Then, yep. you know, you motherfuckers don't need a job anymore. I don't need you guys <laughs> right. if that was the case. You have a job because we're trying to figure out that big circle in the middle. Right. Could not agree more with you, brother. We speak the same language. Yeah. 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 I, so, I love the question when, when someone asks, man, how, how are you, uh, how do you negotiate better? It's like, dude, it's not 
you got to do everything up to that perfect. The, the close is the easiest part of the transaction. Like if yep. you've done everything right up to the offer in a close, they're now negotiating with somebody they like, trust, and want to do business with. It's Agreed. the people that, that rush the process. They make an offer and they're negotiating with strangers. Right. Right. They don't, they don't ask the qualifying questions. They don't get to know the prospect. They don't know what's important to them. I mean, how are you supposed to make an offer if you don't know anything about who you're making the offer to? Yeah, they don't know shit. They literally don't know anything. And, and I think that's why in the very beginning for me, when I heard about this model, I'm like, man, you're, you're buying houses over a phone? I'm like, that's a big task to ask of somebody to sell me your house over a telephone. So I came into it with that mindset. I'm like, wow, I got a, I got a lot of work to do on every phone call to get a yes at the end of this. That's just how I came into it. Right, 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 right. So people, I think a lot of people, correct me if I'm wrong, if you feel a little bit different, but I think a lot of people are afraid to waste time with a prospect they feel are not going to sell. So it's almost like if you have this process, a great introduction, you're asking the condition questions, you're building rapport, um, you're probing, you're prying, you know, you're really having a great conversation and you get to the point where they're not going to agree to your number. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of people are not willing to put that work in just to get a no. Is that the problem that we're facing? All the time. It had uh, like, Industry-wide, in every company, I'm sure it happens, 100%. Again, it goes back. It I think it starts from the top down, right, leadership. Um, and it's the, the way I try to train my team is we don't know for that seller when we call them. We don't know how many times they've been called that day, that week, that month, Right. We don't sure. know. You don't know. We're calling them out of the blue unless it's a PPC, right? But we're calling them out of the blue. We're, we're, we're catching them off guard of whatever they're doing in their day. And they may, in the very beginning, they may tell you a number just because they're so sick of answering that question all the time. How much do you want? If you're asked that question three times in a week or three times in a day, it's going to go up every time just because you're frustrated. So it's acknowledge it, acknowledge the number they gave you, and then get into the condition of the property to see, hey, maybe their number is right. But until you know the condition of their property, what they're trying to solve, the problems they're trying to solve, like the number to me doesn't mean shit. You shoot your shot every single time. Agreed. Agreed. I couldn't agree every more. Time. And money will change when it's real, right? Because a lot of a lot of companies out there will say they'll go through a whole pitch and say, I'm gonna call you back and never call these people back. Mm. They they just don't get the offer. So I've closed enough deals where they told me a number in the beginning, but a real number I'm really uh, I'm willing to put into writing, like that'll change a motherfucker's mind. Uh <laughs> it's real, like yeah. you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you said in the beginning, you took your, your script or your process from your old company, you brought it into this new industry and it took you about five days to lock up a deal. And then you had a certain experience in the beginning. How, has that script changed over time? Did it become better or what happened with that process? Yeah. So I, I actually have a nine page script for this, uh, 
this sales process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way it's it's changed almost monthly. It's been the same here for the last few months. Right. But right, right. um I I have a five step. It's the very the the first one is your intro, right? Reason for the phone call and uh setting clear expectations. That's one your intro. And then we get them engaged right off the, the rip. It's to take control of the phone call. So every seller we get on the phone, after we introduce ourselves, tell them the reason of the phone call, we have them grab a pen and a paper to get them engaged to where we can establish control. We have them write our the name of our, you know, our name down, the name of the company, our phone number. After we give the phone number, we always say, just so I know you have that right, can you please repeat it? Mm. And we have them repeat the phone number. Yep. I can remember your name. I can remember the name of the company. I can remember a lot of shit, but when it comes to phone numbers, nobody remembers phone numbers. Mm-hmm. It's not so like I, it was back in the 80s and 90s, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I want to make sure they really are writing the information down. And that's why I ask on that part, can you repeat the phone number? Mm. Then we go into from intro we go into two which is fact find it's the why right why are they on the phone with us that's the most important part of the phone call and what a lot of people over uh they don't dig deep enough there's there's how many reasons people want out of house i'm done being a landlord want to get my equity market top downsizing moving well people will hear that but they don't dig into it When someone says, I want to be a landlord, rather than just saying, I completely understand and moving on, what we teach is do it with a third party story. You know what, Mrs. Jones? It's funny you say that the last three properties that I've bought all came from people saying they didn't want to be a landlord. Like Mrs. Jones had her daughter living in there, felt disrespected, wasn't getting market rent. And the reason she wanted to, once she sold the house, she was going to pay off $23,000 in credit card debt. I always attach the money to something they did with it. It's just a third party story saying, Hey, I understand. I've heard this before. This is what they did with the money. And then I'll circle back to them and I'll say, and why don't you want to be a landlord? Right? So I hear, I heard it. I gave a third party story. Then I come back and I ask them the question again. Why? Cause I want them to start selling me on why they don't want to be the landlord. Yeah. I think Eric, what you said there is something that's worked for me, my sales career, different industries Yeah, is you're relating to them and you're also bringing in, you're, you're bringing in credibility. Well, you know, my company did this or we did this. So you're kind of, you're kind of lower in the barrier. Like, Hey, I've done this before. I got you. Like, so that's a huge, huge thing to relate to a seller and give them stories of similar um, instances or business transactions. And yeah. you know, kind of shows you legitimacy in the process. So that's very smart. It's just more powerful than I don't want to be a landlord. You hear it and you move on. It's like, it, I always say, sell the sizzle, not the steak, man. You sell the sizzle, not the steak. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a great point. You're pay, you're talking to the seller and you're qualifying it by pairing it up with this other group of people that they completely agree with and they don't know them from Adam, right? Right. Like, oh, I'm a part of this group. Everyone doesn't want to be a landlord. 
Yeah. So it makes sense that I want to sell because I don't yeah. want to be a landlord. And we've yeah. dealt kinda, with people like that before. It kind of leads all horse to, to water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I always say, I always go, man, it's the, the last three houses. They've said the same thing. And then I go into a story, right? I'll go into a story. I loop back around and then I just ask them the question, you know, and why don't you want to, you know, why are you wanting to downsize again? I, I want them to start selling me. Right. Oh, right, that, right. that's when you know you got them is when they start selling themselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So fact finding, finding the why, giving the story example, which is yeah. all fantastic. And what's next? Then we go into, now, mind you, in the very beginning, the intro, we say, you know, by the end of this phone call or, or the point of the phone call, I'm just an acquisition manager. Uh, I'm going to go through the details of the property. We're going to talk about your situation, the timeline, all that to see whether or not it qualifies, right? So we're, we're telling them it's going to qualify. Then we go into the fact find, we find the why, build that rapport, get on common ground with them. Then we go and we start talking about the property. Questions we do not ask in the pitch. The pitch is the house, right? We do not ask what, uh, like in my office, it's an absolute no-no. You've never asked what upgrades have you done. I don't want them to tell me how much money they've spent. So we never ask for upgrades. We do not ask them in the beginning. While we're talking about the house, we do not ask about the roof, the AC, the windows, or the foundation. Okay. And the reason is I found very early on so many of the sellers were telling me when I was asking those, I've answered these questions a million times. I've art so they were pairing me with everybody else that asked these questions. Yep. So we start on the outside of the home. I talk about the neighborhood. I see how many rentals versus owner occupied. I want to know if they're on double yellows. I want to know if there's you know what's crazy? It's a lot of a lot of the shit the hedge funds were wanting to know. <laughs> yep, so yep. I took that data and I brought it into my pitch and it cool. worked out really well. I asked questions like the house to the left and to the right of you. Are there fences? Are there animals in the, you know, do they have animals? And they, I got these people thinking for the first time, hmm. like they were answering questions they've never been asked before. So their experience was different. Then we go inside of the house, right? Walk me through the house. If it's a 1978, when I walk inside, is it still 1978? We never ask, have you upgraded anything? We never ask, like, we try, and then we, we always tell them, if you had a check for X amount of dollars, what would you spend it on? So we want them to start spending money with us. Um, a lot of people will say my house doesn't need anything. Complete bullshit. My wife and I just bought a brand new home. She's already changing shit in it. So you can't tell me that. <laughs> right. uh, once we get done with the house, at the end of talking about the house, we stop or we, we end with, is there anything I have not asked you if you were in my shoes that you would want to know? We end, we end talking about the house with that. Then what we do is we put them on a three-minute hold. We say, you know what? I think I have enough information. I've entered it into the system. 
the underwriters, they've been looking at your property for the last 15 minutes. I want to go back there and talk to them to see whether or not it's going to get approved. So we put them on a three minute hold. And the reason we, we just mute the phone, we're not pausing it to where we can't hear them. Because in your fact find, right, you've asked questions like, is your spouse there? They may say no. You've asked how much money do you want for the property? They may have told you it's none of your business. I want to hear your offer first. So when you put them on that hold for three minutes, they will start talking, not knowing you're listening to them. Hmm. You know, you got them on a three minute hold. Hey, honey, if they can give us X amount of dollars, are we going to do it today? You may find out the wife is there when they told you the wife wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So after a three minute hold, we come back on the line and we say, you know what? I don't have good news, but I don't have bad news. They actually have three more questions and my apologies for not asking this. Mm -hmm. They want to know what's the age of the roof, the AC and the windows. Mm -hmm. so I now you're just like everyone else, man. <laughs> We've already hooked them. Right. They like me at this point. Right. Right. So, and I don't, on him. he's like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> I don't ask it like that. I don't say what's the age of your roof, the AC and the windows. I, mm -hmm. I break them up and have a conversation about all of them. Sure. sure. And with a lot of these older houses, this is where like tonality and selling the sizzle, not the steak really comes in. Like, if you're going through your pitch, just nor like your voice never changes. You're not using tonality at all. Like when they say something like, man, you got a 1978 house and the, the windows are original. And you're like, mm, 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 mm. all of them are original. Really? You have like none of them are replaced. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and put that and I'll type real loud on the keyboard. I want them to hear my keyboard. I'm going to type it in there. I'm going to let them, I'm going to push it back. I know they denied a couple where they had to do windows just for the, how long it's taking to get a whole set of windows in. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if that's something that's going to get approved. So I'm, I'm using that type of a language uh, or word tracks. Same thing with roofs and found it like you want to, you want to use tonality. After you answer or you ask those three questions, you put them back on a hold. You put them back on a three minute hold and say, you're going to go back. So if you have somebody that's wrote all your information down, they've been on the phone with you for 35 to 40 minutes. They've given you all the information. They're engaged. They sat on hold for six minutes. You have a motivated seller on the phone. Yep. You have a motivated seller. I don't give a shit what you tell me. Now it's going to come down to negotiation. If they've sat there for six minutes on hold and went through a whole pitch, they're motivated. So they're invested. Yeah, they're invested. There you go. There you go. And more than likely, it's the first time they've went through a full pitch like that. Instead of just a quick elevator pitch that most of the industry gives. <clears throat> so we come back on off the hold. And now you're in your offer, right? So now we've made it through the pitch. Now we're in offer, which is four, step four. And you come this back. Is this all part like, of your nine-page process? All of it. I have it scripted out from hello to goodbye. And the nine-page process, does it branch out into options, like if this, then that kind of scenarios? So I haven't got that granular with it, no. 
Uh, okay. Okay. No worries. I do. The uh, no, 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 we don't. So, but we in internally here, we train for those scenarios. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah the, the tricky part is there's so many. Right. There's two to 300 scenarios. I mean, there's more probably. Has anybody done it though? Has any wholesaler done it? No, no. Eric Klein's going to be the first one. Yeah, he probably will. But the thing is, is is there really that many scenarios? Uh, I guess if if you look at like sub scenarios and intricacies, maybe, but probably not. If you're generally speaking, there's probably got to be a number, right? Like 500 scenarios or something like that. Like, yeah, can... that's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it's all basically the same. Yeah, you know, just I mean, if you get real granular, yes, hundred percent. Right. We could get we could get completely out of control with how many scenarios there are. Um, but so we come back off of a hold and we say, you know what? Congratulations with the windows being as old as they are. They actually approved the property. So it's the first one that they've approved for me all week. We always say it's the first one they've approved for me all week. What I want you to do is I want you to grab that pen and paper, Mrs. Seller that you jotted all my information down on. And I want you to write down the virtual withdrawal number. Again, why? It's the first time they've ever heard this. I still have them engaged. Perception is reality. So they say, Eric, what's the virtual withdrawal number? Whenever they approve a property, Mrs. Seller, they transfer the funds from one account to another so no one else can spend it. The money's technically sitting there waiting for you. So I'll have them jot down a number. Every lead in our system has a property ID number. So we'll have them jot down virtual VW12345. We leverage that number for urgency at the end when they say, I want to think about it. It's just, you know, we have leverage against them. With all the closing costs paid, 30-day closing, all that, we make the offer 150000 whatever dollars. We pause. And then we move to the close. We never ask them, are you okay with that? What do you think? Blah, 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 blah. They're going to let you know if it's not enough money. They will absolutely stop you. The first time someone makes a complaint of the offer, we treat it as a complaint and we keep moving to the close. The second time we use it as an, or we take it as an objection. When it mm -hmm. comes to money. Oh, that, that's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. Can you uh, maybe talk about an example of what a complaint can be that some people might confuse as an objection? Yeah, we offer 150 and they say they want 170. Like mm -hmm. who doesn't want more money? So the very first time we hear it, we always say, I completely understand as an acquisition manager, this is what they've authorized me to spend on the property. And we keep moving forward. We acknowledge it, address it, move forward. Nine times out of 10, they're going to stop you again. But rather than making a big deal of it, maybe, you know, one out of however many, it is really just a complaint. It's that one that counts where you don't talk yourself out of money. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about whether it's one out of 10 or one out of 20, I mean, it could be a couple extra deals a month for that acquisition manager. It could 100%. be 30 to 40 deals a year for the company. 
hundred percent. Yep. Well, or I think it, things. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say it's just sales 101. Like you're assuming the sale. You're saying like you're just you're you're acknowledging the, the but you don't let it overcome the sale, right? Yeah. So you're assuming the sale, and you're just you're just moving forward. And um, I mean that's just I think a lot of people let stuff like that. They're like looking for some way to just eject the call and you got to keep like, it's like, like walls or you just keep going through the walls. till you get to the finish line. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the things you overcome those objections, assume the sale and keep going forward until, I mean, literally they can hang up you at any time. So if they're still on the call, there's still a deal. Yep. That's yep. what I love about phone sales, man. If they have not hit the button, they're interested in what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Um, can you also, if you don't mind, Eric, um, describe to the public about what you mean about acknowledging the complaint? Because I think, uh, you know, and, and it, this is incredible and a lot of people might not know what you're talking about, but you don't have to open up Pandora's box if it doesn't need to be opened, right? You don't need to go down that rabbit hole. So what do you mean by acknowledging the complaint? It's letting them know You've heard what they've said. You've acknowledged it. I completely understand, Mr. Seller. You're looking for 170. Based off the condition of the property and everything you've told me, this is what they've authorized me to spend is 150,000 covering all closing costs, no commissions, and we can close in the 30 days. I've acknowledged it, addressed it, and then I just keep moving forward. I want yep. them to know I hear you. But this is what the, the company's authorized. And then I move for the close again, right? They're going to stop you if, the, if money is really an issue. When you say, you know, the next step is for us now to prepare a written offer. They're probably going to stop you again right there. If they stop you again because of money, then you need to address it. It's now turned from a complaint to an actual objection. Right, right, right. What I also love about this process is um, it's spending a good amount of time with the seller. You're giving them the the attention they need. Um, you're going over everything that they want to hear. They're staying on the phone with you. You're yeah. using the hold tactics. That's all really, really great. And by the time you get to the end, whether there's a clear agreement or you're working toward getting the agreement, I think that based on this good, long quality conversation. I don't think that they're going to want to start from scratch with another company after that. No. And I use that line all the time that I need to think about it. Right. If, if you've asked all the right questions, like in your finding out the why, um, you should be asking, when's the last time you thought about selling, you know, if the spouse, when's the last time you and your wife, uh, selling the house was pillow talk to you, or when's the last time you were eating dinner? and you said you guys wanted to sell the house. I ask those questions all the time. When's the last time selling the house was a conversation at the dinner table? Tell me what the conversation sounded like. What was the timeline? What did the wife say? How does she feel? Who's really the deciding driving factor here? Because I, if I gather enough information, by the time I get to the close, if this guy or gal says I need to think about it, I have all the bullets to, to, to empty a clip on him. Like, you know, John, you and I, 40, we've been on the phone for 45 minutes. You said you and your wife 
talked about this at dinner yesterday. And the wife, your, your wife said she wanted to be gone because I would have asked all these questions. Right, right, so right. Exactly. I'm jotting it all down on a notepad as we go. So I have ammunition for the end. And I'll say, like, you've already made your mind up. You're selling the house. You've been thinking about it for six months. Your mind's already made up. Right. Why not sell it to me? We've been on the phone. What have I not done to get you to the point where I'm the guy to buy the house? You don't want to go through this for another 45 minutes, 30 minutes with a complete stranger again, just to find out the number's probably going to be at where I'm at or below. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's, it sounds so magical when you say it, man. It sounds like you've done this before. Yeah, I've been trying. 173 contracts. You're <laughs> today. Oh, that, right? that's, a, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So so you've come this far and, and we're getting toward the tail end. We still have a little bit of time, but what's it what's in the future for for you and for your company? So I'm just now um, one. I came into this not knowing a lot about real estate. I really did not. Mm -hmm. Very green to real estate. Uh, I knew how to sell and generate leads. I knew that. What I want to do now, um, I figured out the whole marketing and sales process of the industry. Uh, I really now want to get into the real estate side of it. Uh, mm. I'd love to build, uh, like I'm obsessed right this moment with trying to acquire as many single family residential homes as I can. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it recklessly though. Um, so I am truly trying to surround myself with guys that are leaps and bounds ahead of where I'm at when it comes to acquiring deals. Right. So I want to, I want to build a healthy portfolio. I want to do a couple short-term rental, uh, Airbnb rentals. My wife loves that. So mm -hmm. I, I got to keep her happy. Um, and then my, like something I'm very passionate about is helping people learn how to, to have a sales process within their company. So I'm really focusing right now on branding myself as the sales guy within this industry that can help help you lay a solid foundation and get consistent results with with sales. Yeah, your guys, your guys said seller be sold, right? Seller be sold, man. I love that book, by the way. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And then that's part of um, what this industry lacks. I mean, there are some good sales leaders in this industry, but as far as really diving deep and making it in a way to, that agrees, like creating something that any company can adopt and implement, yes. it, it's very few and far in between out there. And if, if you have that, then I think people need to reach out to you like yesterday. Definitely got a lot of value. Because there. they need to stop looking for the perfect list, the perfect C. All the CRM suck. All the lists seem the same to me. Um, I think you need good skip tracing. You need to be able to get a, a hold of the right person. Um, but I mean, you need to be able to talk to these people and convert. Yeah. You just need to have a process where, listen, acquisitions is a high turnover. Regardless, you're going to have your, your few that stick with you, right? But outside of that, it is a high turnover sure. and you need to have a process in place where you're not held hostage by your sales team. Like my team, I love them to death, right? Like one girl's been with me for 12 months, almost as long as I've been around in this industry. But if, if they got up and walked out today, I would not panic. 
I would find some qualified bodies, right? That have a good attitude, a good work ethic, implement them into my sales process. And I, I oh, damn near immediately start getting results. Process over people in that, in that regard, right? You and I get them into the process. Yeah. No. There's a sales process. Like there's a, I have a proven sales process that works. Yeah. So, so don't chase the, the lists and the, the, the fancy cars and fancy, you know, polished stuff. It, you know, it's the nitty Shiny gritty objects, processes. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, Eric, Eric has that refined. So, I mean, that, that's what you need to be working on, not asking him what the best list to pull is. But what is the less, the, the best list, Eric? Equity, for, equity owners. With hey, the, for, uh, for 14 months, I didn't pull a single list outside of absentee, absentee owners with equity. It's the biggest one. <laughs> you know, it. you know, what's funny is we, all of the mo most all other uh, motivating factors are a part of that list anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's just what we pulled. We're now to the point where. We're pulling more than that. We're really trying to ramp up our PPC right now. Yep. Um, so that, that's just where we're at. Our goal for this this year was uh, for 2022 is 4 million in assignments. But the more I think about it, man, I don't like giving all these deals away. I really don't. Like I look <laughs> back at the last 16 months and if I knew what I knew today, which isn't a lot about real estate, I would not like our biggest month was 508,000 or no 503,000 in a, in one month. And I look at the deals I gave away in that all these months and I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? But you know, it's, it's tough. That's the hardest decision to make, right? When you have, you know, a $58,000 assignment, a 72,000, a 34,000, like I could keep it. We could cash flow. How long is it going to, take to you make struggle that with that all the time back. right but then you have to think about the tax offset well and yeah. all these other all these other factors so it, it, i don't i don't know if there's a perfect formula for it it's really like what what is right for you i think what you makes what I mean? sense in the moment right yep, yep, yep. yeah 100 percent. i mean listen my, my wife and i were blessed we came into this industry with like we we were okay financially my wife and i were okay when we came into this industry I like, I, I don't live off my last deal. Like I would be okay to, to acquire some stuff. So sure. that's just where my head's at right now is I'm thinking long-term rather than the quick right. right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Hey, Eric, I know there are, there are a lot of intrigued people watching. There's a lot of comments going on and uh, people are probably really, really curious. Like if they want to learn more about you, Eric, what, what should they do to either reach out to you or to follow you? Uh, the Eric Klein or the Eric Klein on Instagram. I mean, yeah, it's right there. I see follow Eric on Instagram, the Eric Klein. Uh, oh, sweet. okay. Yeah. That, that's where you find me. And Instagram is the main hub. Instagram's the main one, man. If you reach out to me, it's really me reaching back out to you. So cool. cool. Or, or your bot or your VA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't use no VAs for that shit, man. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. That's awesome. You do have a six week sales training going on right now. If people really wanted to join in, because I think you just started, do you, would you still kind of squeeze some people in or? 
Yeah. So uh, for the six weeks, it was 25, it's $2,500 per head. Uh, I'll do for anybody on this show, since I already got it ramped up, I'll even still give you access to the first week. I'll do it for 1995. Sweet, sweet. No, and 99 cents. Yeah. 1995.95. It's all made up numbers anyways. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. Well, Eric, man, I, I appreciate you uh, giving us your time. I know I took a, a shit ton of notes and mm-hmm. yeah, the, the whole tactics, man, you know, yeah. those, those are, uh, you, you think they're, they're just like, um, they're very, very clear. Like we should have been doing that the whole time. We don't right. implement that here, Yeah, but I think they're powerful because we've put people on mute and they have talked a shit ton. Yeah. A right. shit ton. So let real quick, because I know we're running negotiation, right? Yeah. Never live negotiate. Meaning you're far, like whatever uh, distance you're away from each other, don't live negotiate and do a deal right there. All If you're ever going to raise your number, always put them on a hold. I don't care how many holds you have to do. Always put them on a hold because what when you're in negotiation, what the seller is now thinking about is nothing but numbers. You're now at the dance, right? You're at the dance. You're talking numbers. So every time you put them on hold while you're negotiating, that is when the true magic happens. You will be shocked in negotiation, especially if you have husband and wife. When you put them on hold and use one or two holds in negotiation, you will be shocked at what they tell you when you're on mute. I'm I'm actually going to retrain on that this week. That's a really, really good tip. Brother, if there's one thing I can leave you with to end this, (laughs) It's never negotiate live. Always never put them on hold. Love that. You hear that, everyone? Never negotiate live. Listen to Eric. Well over 3,000 or 3 million in wholesale deals year to date. My man is killing it. Eric awesome. Klein, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, guys, as you guys know, every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on the Cash Geeks Network, both in the Cash Geeks Network Facebook group, And you can also go to youtube.com forward slash cash geeks. And uh, you can watch all of our past videos. And we're live every Tuesday, like I said. Once again, we've got my man Gary on mic number two. Yep. And I'm Dom. And guys, you're watching the Cash Geeks Network. See you guys.